All right, take your Bibles, turn to Matthew chapter 6, please, if you would. Matthew chapter 6. We're not going to talk about money tonight. Well, we will a little bit eventually, but that's really for on mornings, all right? So money matters is in the morning. Today's just whatever I want to preach. And this is what uh, I've been thinking about through this year. I kind of had a theme for the year in my own personal life. And this is something that God has been speaking to me about and hope will be a challenge to you. Some familiar verses here in Matthew chapter 6. Do you know what the, the term knockoff means? A knockoff. You know what I'm talking about when I say a knockoff? Uh, something that's not real. It's a fake. Uh, maybe it's a, a, my wife has a thing for purses, all right? And maybe we can't really afford the real purses, whatever, fill in the blank, whatever the name is supposed to be. It used to be coach, maybe coach isn't. But I remember there used to be these, you know, knockoff coach purses. You could buy them anywhere in New York City on a dark corner out of a van. And, uh, <laughs> right, you know, I'm talking about those kind of knockoffs. I mean, and you would be able to look at it pretty closely to tell if it's a real one or not. There's ways to tell uh, a knockoff from a real one. I'm not sure what the big names of purses are right now. Um, and I'm, and I'm glad. <laughs> I'm bragging, not complaining, all right? And uh, so whatever it is, there's certain things. I know that for a while, maybe even still, I think still, uh, to have a Rolex watch. It was a status symbol. I looked up today. What's the average cost of a Rolex watch? Anybody have a, a guess what a Rolex watch would cost? Ten grand is, is a low end. So in the U.S., 7000 to 12000 is the average. You can go from like six to up to $75,000 U.S. for a Rolex, a real Rolex watch. Anybody have a Rolex watch here? If you do, we'll pass the offering plate right now. And uh, we'll preach a little bit about later on in chapter 7. It says not to lay for yourself treasures on earth. We'll drop that into the offering plate. We'll take care of that for you. But I don't think anybody in our church has a real Rolex. I, have, uh, I heard of a man that uh, had some friends who went to the Philippines every year. And I guess in the Philippines, you could get, some, uh, get a good knockoff. A good knockoff roll. Well, you know, Holmes used to live there, so I guess there's some, uh, you know all the places, Maureen? So if you want a, a knockoff Rolex, send Maureen over to the Philippines. She knows all the places to go. And I guess you can get one there for relatively cheap. I want to say $50 to $100 was a, was a knockoff price. And I know a guy that every year when his friend went to the Philippines, he'd come back and get a brand new knockoff Rolex every year. A brand new, Ro- well, a brand new knockoff Rolex. But it looked like a Rolex. Does anybody know how to tell a real Rolex from a fake Rolex? There's a way. You need to die, but the internet tells you. Do you know how to do it, Paul? That's exactly it. Yeah, so the, on the second hand, on a real Rolex, it kinda, it, it's a very smooth motion on the second hand. If it ticks like a clock, then it's a fake, all right? So... I want to see your watches on the way out. We'll see what, uh, what you got on your wrist, all right? But there is a, really the, that's, that's really the only way to tell on the outside. The inside is totally different. Like the, the parts, if you open, a jeweler who opened up a, a, a real Rolex and a fake Rolex would tell by the inside. There, there's no comparison on the inside, though the outside is very close, all right? And that's how you tell a fake uh, a fake from a real thing, or the, the, the knockoff from the authentic, all right? And so that's a Rolex watch. Now we're going to look at what the Bible says, what Jesus Christ says here in the Sermon on the Mount. Halfway through the Sermon on the Mount, uh, Jesus Christ is preaching. One of the first sermons that Jesus preached while on earth that we recorded in the Bible is the Sermon on the Mount. And so it really is a, like the beginning point of his teaching, and he really puts it to uh, those religious leaders who were in power, and kind of the, the whole religious system 
is kind of under attack by this new religious teacher who we know to be the Messiah, Jesus Christ. But at that time, he really caught them off guard with his teaching here in Matthew chapter 5, 6, and 7. He really disrupted this traditional teaching and the religious... They had a whole system, right? They had a whole system in place of, of Pharisees, Sadducees, and scribes, and hierarchy, and how things work, and all the laws. And, and they had made laws to keep the laws, and they made the laws that they had made more important than the laws that God had made. And they had this whole system, and everybody just kind of followed along with the system. And that's where Jesus Christ appears on the scene and begins to teach. And his teaching is different. I mean, in fact, at the end of this, they said, this guy is different. He speaks as one that has authority. His teaching was unique, and he spoke because he was the Son of God and God in the flesh. So here is just right in the middle, smack dab in the middle of uh, the Sermon on the Mount, we come to Matthew chapter 6. We'll begin in verse uh, number 1. Here we're going to talk about uh, these religious leaders a little bit. He talks about hip- hypocrites here in this passage. Pharisees, Sadducees, scribes. Let me ask, who, who do you know? Think of the Pharisees that you know in the Bible. What Pharisees do you know by name from the Bible? Anybody? Paul. Okay, so Paul says, I was a Pharisee of the Pharisees. Of all the Pharisees, I had risen to the top of the Pharisees. He was a Pharisee who became a follower, right, of Jesus Christ. All right, who else? Nicodemus. All right, Nicodemus was the Pharisee that came by night, and, and we believe he trusted Christ as his Savior. Famous passage, Matthew, or John chapter 3. And, and so Nicodemus is another one. All right, those are the two easier ones. Zacchaeus, we don't, he was a tax collector, so probably not a Pharisee, but definitely had a, a man of uh, reputation, not maybe the best reputation, but he was a tax collector. All right, there's another man mentioned in the Bible. Yep. Matthew was a tax collector as well. We're not sure. Maybe Joseph. Joseph, again, of Arimathea, who took the body. There's some debate about whether he was. About to specifically say he was. He was definitely a man of a power. Could have been one of the uh, Sanhedrin, one of the Pharisees there. Uh, so maybe Joseph. There's another man in, in the book of Acts named Gamaliel. All right, so Gamaliel uh, was a Pharisee. And when the disciples were beginning to preach, he put them out of the room and he said, now let's, let's talk about these guys out of the room and we'll kind of figure this thing out. But also we find out later on that Paul sat at the feet of Gamaliel. We believe the same Gamaliel, that uh, Paul was a student of Gamaliel. All right, so those are the Pharisees that we know. Uh, and I think there was another one that maybe Simon, uh, when Christ went to the house uh, of a Pharisee, and later on it says Simon, I think we believe that that is another Pharisee, right? So those are the Pharisees that we know by name. But, I mean, Christ spoke to him all the time. And the, the most scathing message that Jesus Christ ever preached was not to the sinner, but to the fake, right? To the Pharisee and to the, 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 uh, the people that were the knockoff. <laughs> like they were the knockoff religious leaders of the day. They had a form of godliness, but had no power, right? So Jesus Christ spoke barely sharply to them, all right? And so here we're going to talk, uh, Jesus describes what it means here to be a true follower. So he's contrasting the real and the fake, the authentic and the knockoff here in Matthew chapter 6. Let's begin in verse number 1. Again, familiar for to you. We'll kind of explain this passage, and I'll bring some application at the end for you. hope it'll be a help to you. All right, chapter 6, verse 1. Take heed that you do not your alms before men to be seen of them. Otherwise, you have no reward of your Father which is in heaven. Therefore, when thou doest thine alms, do not sound a trumpet before thee, as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and in the streets, that they may have glory of men. Verily I say unto you, they have their reward. But, that, but when thou doest alms, let not thy left hand know 
what thy right hand doeth, that thine alms may be in secret. And the Father which seeth in secret himself shall reward thee openly. I want you to notice that word secret. We're talking about your secret life. Not your seen life. We, we see, your, this is your seen life. Like we see, you're dressed up here, you're at church on a Sunday night, you know, uh, we know what to say, we know, we know the songs to sing. That's your seen life. What's your secret life like? Uh, if we go back to the Rolex, not what it looks like on the outside, but what's the parts on the inside? Like what's really ticking, what makes you tick on the inside, right? Uh, and so we can be all that is almost exactly right on the outside, but inside those parts aren't right. And so here Christ is comparing that in the area of giving, all right? So he talks about alms. Uh, alms is not tithing, all right? Alms is giving, uh, a, a generous to those, being generous to those in need. Our church is trying to practice some of that as a church by helping at different ministries, and, and hopefully you do that on your own, to give alms, to give generously to those in need. He says here, if you're going to do that, don't sound the trumpet. Don't sound the trumpet like uh, the hypocrites do. Now, maybe this was a real thing back in the day. I don't, I don't know if the hypocrites actually did that. Like, let me put my, I'm going to give this guy five bucks here. I did some research from the people that I researched who researched other people. There was, they couldn't find any record of that actually being a case, like where's a historical, not saying it didn't happen. So Jesus Christ is either describing what was really happening or he's being a little uh, uh, sarcastic, you know, don't toot your own horn, we, we might say, right? Don't toot your, don't call attention to yourself. Hey, look what I'm giving everybody, look what I'm giving. Unlike the, the woman who gave her little mite in the offering, just put it in the offering. See, Jesus noticed that. Can I tell you that Jesus watches your worship? Jesus watches you when you give, not for necessarily how much you give, but how you give right? That's, that's, the, that's the inside. That's the ticking inside of us, the motivation behind what you give either to the offering of the church or to somebody else on the street. Generous, generosity, your alms, giving to the alms is to be done in secret, not to blow your own horn. Don't, don't call attention to yourself because if you're giving to get attention, aren't you really just getting? Like, that's not really giving. You're getting. If you're in motive, it's to get, you're, that's, to give to get is getting, not get, that makes, I'm, I'm sound like double talk, but to give to get is not really giving, it's all about getting. And so if your motivation to giving to the church or giving to someone in need or to get is to get something in return, that's not true almsgiving. And so that's what Christ is saying, that that's, that, that's a fake. You, you can't spot the fake from the outside, but he said, I'm telling you, the difference is do it in secret. The inside, your, your secret life is what separates the fake from the follower. And so here at Bible Baptist Church, we may have, I think we had around 160 this morning of kids and teens and adults and a, a good crowd. We don't know how many were gathered as fakes and how many were gathered as followers. That's not for me to determine. I don't sit here and think, well, you know, Brother Birch, he's a follower, but Mrs. Birch, mm, I'm not so sure about. Like, I, that's, not my, that's not my responsibility to do that, right? I would never, I'm just joking about Mrs. Birch, right? That's not my responsibility to do that. But it's my responsibility to say, like, what about me? Am I real? Is this real for me? Am I a fake or am I a follower? That's the point of the, of the, of the message here is to make sure that we're real and not just a knockoff. It says, goes on here, it says, don't even let your right hand know what your left hand's doing. Is that possible? No, it's not possible. I mean, your hands don't know. But that, that's, again, a play on words saying, 
Do it as secret as you can. If you can, let your, if you can keep your left hand from knowing what your right hand is doing, do it that way. Don't, don't spread it out. It's not for that reason. Do it in secret. And it, this is the theme of these verses. And then your Father, which seeth in secret, will reward you openly. What a God. What a God. That's the God that you serve. The God that you serve says, just do it quietly. I'll take care of it. I'll reward you. Do you want the trumpet blowing or do you want the pat on the back for me? Which would you rather have? Do you want the reward now or reward later? That's up to you. You can have either one. That's your choice. And so, but he says, I see the secret. If I told you I know your secret life, for some of us, that would be very encouraging. For some, it may be very discouraging in, in different parts of our life. <laughs> this is a little bit off topic, but I knew a, a young man growing up in, in, uh, in the States and as he got older, he actually had, he traveled as a salesman, and it came to be found out that he actually had two families going on at the same time in different cities at different locations. And eventually, his secret life was revealed. <laughs> Can you imagine that? I mean, there's all kinds, of, so I say your secret life, that could be, you know, it could be bad. Well, here we're talking about that secret relationship with God. He says, do, the, do your almsgiving in secret. I see your motivation. I know why you give. I, don't know, I just don't know what you do. I know why you do everything you do. Everything. Your motivation. And others may misjudge your motivation. Have you ever had your, your, your motivation misjudged? Just recently I had somebody misjudge my motivation in something. And uh, I wanted to answer for that. I wanted to tell, I didn't get a chance to because they didn't talk to, they talked about me, not to me, <laughs> right? Again, that's one of my big themes of the year. Talk about, talk to people, not about people. Um, and so they talked about me, not to me. I didn't think it was worth going back over there and rehearsing that whole thing, but they judged my motivation. The action that they saw may have been, cur- like they saw the right thing, they judged it this way, but I could explain to it why I did it this way. Like, so my motivation, the action was obvious, but the motivation was totally different. And they misjudged my motivation. People are going to do that. It's going to happen. And so, but there's one person that never, ever, ever misjudges your motivation. It's Jesus Christ. It's, it's the Heavenly Father. He sees in secret. And if he sees in secret, and he sees that's, that's a real gift of generosity, he says, okay, let me, let me mark that down. Because I'll reward you openly for that. I'll reward you. And that may be openly here on this earth. It may be openly in, in, in eternity. It doesn't matter. He will, let God take care of the rewarding, right? Because again, if you're doing it and you give this gift and you say, okay, God, I gave that gift. Now, where's my reward? Then you're giving to get, which is not really giving. It's about getting, right? So just give it. And let God take care of it. That's the point. And so in our area of giving, you give in secret, the Father rewards openly. Let's move on. Verse 5. And when thou prayest, thou shalt not be as the hypocrites, as the hypocrites are, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and the street corners, corners of the streets, that they may be seen of men. Verily I say unto you, they have their reward. But thou, when thou prayest, enter into thy closet. And when thou hast shut thy door, pray to thy father, which is in secret. Your father's in secret. Notice, I want you to notice that. It's phrased a little different. He said, your father, which is in secret. He, when you go in secret, your father's already there waiting for you. 
The Father is in secret, and thy Father which seeth in secret shall reward thee openly. But when ye pray, use not vain repetitions as the heathen do, for they think that they shall be heard for their much speaking. Be not ye therefore like unto them, for your Father knoweth what things you have need of before you ask of him. So he says a couple of things here about praying. And the, the bottom line is, do it in the secret to reward you openly. It's still the bottom line. We'll get to that. But he says this, don't pray like a hypocrite. Don't pray like the hypocrites do. What do they do? They do it to be seen and to be heard. Uh, I don't know that maybe that's not a real problem today. Uh, I don't know too many people that go on the street corners and, and pray to be heard of men. I think sometimes it's hard for me to pray in public. When I pray in church, I often ask myself, am I really praying to the Father? Or am I praying to the congregation? Like, am I saying? Because sometimes I say, Lord, help us to listen to the preaching. Like, I do want that, but am I, am I, is that a, a message to the congregation or am I, preaching, am I praying to God the Father, right? So sometimes maybe when we pray in public, we kind of get caught between that praying to the congregation, praying to the Father, but it's not really for our show, I hope, to, and think not in our church. I haven't really seen that over my 30 years here that we have a lot of people that like, hey, it's my turn to pray. Let me have the prayer today. I got a good one. Like, I never heard that happen in our church, all right? Uh, so I don't think that may be a real problem. But it says, don't pray like a hypocrite to be seen. But then it says this uh, later on, don't pray like the heathen. So don't pray like a hypocrite, don't pray like a heathen. What do the heathen do? Well, they pray vain repetitions over and over and over again, and they think that they shall be heard for their much speaking. They pray the same prayers over and over and over again. God says, don't pray that way either. Don't pray like a hypocrite, don't pray like a heathen, don't pray to be seen, and don't just pray over and over and over the same thing. You can go to your closet and pray the same thing over and over and over and over again. And I see that in secret, but I don't reward that. Like, so don't pray the same thing in vain repetition. He says here, God already knows your need. I'm not saying you shouldn't ask for your daily needs. I think we should. But we don't need to go over and over and over and over. God already knows your need. In prayer time, we've learned a lot uh, in, in the teaching on Wednesday night about prayer. And prayer is not just about, uh, it's not about, informing God is about transforming you, right? That's what prayer is all about. And so it's not about just informing, here's God, here's my 12 things I need today. You know, the 12 things I need for Christmas. So here's my, here's my wish list, God. I want to give it to you. It's not about that. And so don't pray the same thing over and over again. In fact, even when he says that, in this passage, he goes on to give us like a, a model prayer that many religions have taken and made what? A vain repetition. Like they've actually, in the same passage, he says, don't do as a vain repetition. And they take that and they make it a vain repetition, right? So don't make the Lord's Prayer a vain repetition. Can you pray the Lord's Prayer? Absolutely. Absolutely. In fact, we've been talking about praying through the Bible. That's a great place to pray is through the Lord's Prayer. If you want to be serious about it and, and focus your heart and attention, God, Father, who art in heaven, hallowed is thy name. Oh Lord, I want to I want to hallow you. I want to glorify you. I want to honor you with my life. And, and so pray through that. That's a great thing, just not vainly. How do we pray? Well, this passage tells us enter into your closet. Do you got a do you got a prayer place? I mean you can pray anywhere, everywhere, and we should pray without ceasing. But do you got a prayer place? I don't know that I would say this is a doctrine. If you don't have a prayer place, you're sinning. I don't think that, but I think it's great to have a scheduled time and place to meet with God on a regular basis. I have a prayer place that I go to on a regular basis. This is my place and my time. Uh, I heard a guy say that years ago at a youth conference, of all things, or a preacher say, do you have a time? Do you have a place? Do you have a time? Do you have a place? And I thought right then and there, I want to have a time and a place that I meet with God, and 
I pray throughout the day other times. That's not the only time I pray, but I try to find a time and a place to meet with God. He said, go to your closet when you shut the door. Close out the distractions. So I've gotten the habit of going into the room where I pray, and I purposely close the door. And I think as I close the door, I'm, this is, it's, in this room, it's just me and God. And if I let the door open, it'd still be me and God. But it's just in my mind, I'm saying this, I'm closing out everything else, distractions. I got, you know, my work computer's out there. Uh, my wife and my family used to be out there. I'm closing those things off. Not that I'm forgetting about them. I'm going to pray for them. But right now, it's me and God time. And I'm going to close out distractions. Do you have a place where you kind of get alone and say, and get in that um, prayer spirit that you're going to talk to God, have that time? That's how you pray. Get your closet, shut your door. Your father's already there in a secret waiting for you and then the model prayer that he gives us. But he does say this, your father does see you in secret and he rewards you openly. I don't know what your prayer life's like, but your father does. I can't reward you for your prayer life, but your father does. And so we're talking about this secret life. What is your secret place? What is your secret life look what in giving and praying he talks about these two things then he says this last thing look down in our passage we'll skip over the the model prayer the, the lord's prayer here just for sake of time then on the verse number 16. moreover when ye fast be not as the hypocrites of a sad countenance for they disfigure their faces that they may appear unto men to fast really i say unto you they have their reward. But thou, when thou fastest, anoint thy head with anoint thy head and wash thy face, that thou appear not unto men to fast, but unto thy father which is in secret. And thy father which seeth in secret shall reward thee openly. When, when I read through a passage of scripture and I see the same words repeated, it tells me God's trying to make a point. Your father sees in secret, he rewards openly. It's not about your seen life, it's about your secret life. It's what you, the seen life looks like, that's what the secret life looks like. Everyone sees this, God sees this. Everybody cares about this, God cares about this. And so it's a pretty obvious thing. Here we're talking about fasting, all right? Probably not much fasting going on among God's people today. Let's be real. Let's be real. Like it, it, I think it's kind of a lost discipline of fasting. And this message is not about fasting, but maybe tonight God would speak to your heart about the area of fasting. You do some study and you fast properly. I don't know in my 30 years of ministry and in, since I've been in church all my life, I've never seen anybody that purposely disfigured their face so I think that they're fasting. I don't think that's been a problem. I, have you? Have anybody seen somebody like, oh, that guy's fasting. I can tell. He's trying to make a big show of his fast. He's all, he's all disfigured today. Like, no, I've never seen that. Like, I don't know if that's a real problem in the church today. But he's saying fasting ought to be done in secret. But maybe we can apply this not only to fasting, but other things that we sacrifice. When we sacrifice, do we want everybody to know that we sacrifice? When we sacrifice for our spouse, do we want them to know, hey, I want you to know, at least what, look what I sacrificed for you. Right? Do we not do that sometimes? Uh, I'll, I'll sacrifice. I love you. I'll sacrifice as long as you know that I sacrificed. And then, it's a, well, then you, you're giving to get, <laughs> which is really not giving at all. Right? So maybe we do that in other areas. Uh, today, for young people, more than anything, maybe a social media fast. And they go on to social media, I'm having a social media fast. I want everybody to know I'm on a social media fast. Well, that's really 
kind of defeats the point of having a social media fast if you're announcing on social media that you're fasting, all right? Uh, if, you're, if you're sacrificing time and energy and you're bragging about all the time and energy you're, fat, you're, you're sacrificing for someone or a cause, maybe it's not a sacrifice at all. So don't call attention to your sacrifices. But when you do sacrifice, and if you do fast, and you do it with the right motivation, and you do it in secret, the promise of God is He sees your sacrifice. He sees your fasting. And the Father that sees in secret, He'll reward you openly. The, the blessing, the hand of God will be upon you. It, it'll, he'll take care of it, both now and in eternity. There'll be uh, the reward of the Father upon you. So that's kind of walking through these three steps. Giving and praying and fasting. God sees in secret. We see, they do it to be seen of men. We do it in secret. The Father rewards openly. Seen, secret, reward. That's the difference. If you do it seen, you got your reward. If you do it in the secret, you'll have your reward. It's coming. All right, so this is, now let me take this passage and walk back through it. Do we really have a problem with people? Again, I've been in church a long time. Someone else correct me. Have you ever seen anybody blow a trumpet before they gave? Have you ever? I never, I never have. I, I've, I, I went to St. Lucia. I preached in St. Lucia a few times. Never heard, they didn't do it there. Nowhere have I, that I've been. Have I seen anybody blow a trumpet? I've never seen anybody like try to make a big deal when we pass the offering plate, like shake the change and throw it. Like, <laughs> I've seen the offering plates be dropped a few times. I have seen that, a fumble here and there. I've seen that. Uh, but never on purpose saying, hey, look what I gave. In fact, I've had many people in our church come bring an offering to me since I handle uh, those finances and say, hey, I want to put this in the offering, use it however you want, I just don't want anybody to know. Or, hey, can you make sure that so-and-so gets this because they're going through a hard time. I've been the, uh, the conduit of that kind of thing because they didn't want to be known. So I don't know we have a big problem with people blowing their own horns before they give. I don't know that we have a real problem here in our church about people praying too loudly or too publicly. Hey, look at me. i got a great prayer. I've stayed up all night writing this prayer, and I'm ready to lay it out today. I don't think that's been a case. Do we have a problem with people fasting for attention? No, likely we have a problem with people not fasting. That's probably where the problem is. So if those aren't the problem, what's, what's, the, what's the point of the passage to us today, Bible Baptist Church 2021? Well, for honest, all these things, giving, praying, fasting, are just spiritual disciplines. And they're things that we should do on a regular basis to help us draw close to God. And the all spiritual disciplines, any discipline in life needs attention. All right? So I'm, I'm preaching this message to call attention to your life uh, on your generosity, your praying, and your fasting, and your sacrificing, and your spiritual life, your secret life. Do you spend much attention and much time thinking about those spiritual disciplines? Uh, and what's, it's all about motivation, right? This whole passage is about motivation. Why are you doing what you're doing? It's hard to judge your own motivation sometimes. It's not hard to... It, you know, the good thing is the Bible says this, the Word of God is a discerner of the thoughts and the intents of the heart. 
The Word of God does a great job judging our motivations. So if you'll spend time with God's Word, you'll figure out your motivations. It, 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 it becomes clear. When the Word of God is preached, even tonight, as, as the Word of God is explained, about giving, praying, fasting, your secret life, maybe you realize my motivations are not what they should be. I've done this to be seen of men, not be, not be done in secret, or I'm not doing this at all. Our motivations come to light in, the, in light of God's Word. And so in going back to our opening illustration about the Rolex, what made the difference between the real and the fake? It was the way the second hand ticked, but reality is what's on the inside. So what makes the difference between a true follower and a fake? It's what's on the inside. It's not what happens at Bible Baptist from 1030 to 1130 on Sundays. That, it doesn't matter. It's what happens when you're in secret with the Lord. That is deter- what, what's inside. Why you do what you do is based upon your secret life with Jesus Christ. And if that secret life is drying up and not growing, but drying up, we are on the road to hypocrisy. Now listen to me. We often preach that if we don't have a relationship with the Lord, eventually we'll be out of church and we will stop doing the... I don't know if that's always the case. Sometimes this dries up in the secret life and we still keep coming to church. We become more and more of a hypocrite, right? That's just as dangerous as walking away. In fact, it's more dangerous. It's more da- if you walk away from the Lord, you know you're away from the Lord. Everyone knows. It's obvious. People can love on you and help you and encourage you to come back. But when you stay in church and you stay doing the same thing and you stay doing all the things you're supposed to do on the outside, but the inside dries up and inside there's no life and inside there's a problem, we can't see that. But the Father can. But the Father can. And so we often look and say, Oh, that person's a Pharisee. That person's a hypocrite. And we can see we, what we think. We judge their motivations. But what about you? Isn't it possible to sit in church every week, week after week, and be a hypocrite because we have no inner life? We have no a secret life with God and our motivations aren't right? It's possible. And I believe probably, not only is it possible, it's probably happening more often than we like to admit. And again, please, if you're sitting here thinking, that's right, there's people in our church that are like that. You're wrong. This is about you. Are you enjoying a secret life with your Father that He will gladly reward later openly? So what will keep you from becoming a hypocrite? It's your secret life. It's your secret life. Uh, the book we're reading right now for the men's group, it's a really good book. I really enjoyed it. It's by author Gordon McDonald. It's called uh, Ordering Your Private World. And he calls this idea cultivating your secret or your inner garden. Cultivating your inner garden. You know that song, I come to the garden alone while well, the dew is, that's your time with the Lord. He said you need to cultivate your personal walk with the Lord, that inner garden. We spend more attention about like, what we're going to look like, what we're going to act like, what we're going to do at church, what we're going to do for out, out here. But it's, it's what, how much time do we spend, like, what's this time look like inside, in the inner garden, in that inner time? That's what's about, the secret life. So if we just keep doing the things that we're doing on the outside, but our inner life becomes dry and lifeless, that's hypocrisy. See, I don't think hypocrisy, we think of hypocrisy as like that person is saying one thing and purposely doing another. 
they know they're a hypocrite. You think so? I don't think most hypocrites know they're a hypocrite. I think what really is hypocrisy is when we, when our inner life drives up and we just keep going and doing the same thing over and over and over and over and we just go through the motions and there's no motivation, there's no love behind that because this has dried up, but the actions just keep going. That's hypocrisy. And that's probably the hypocrisy that we see more in churches today than guys blowing a trumpet or praying a loud prayer or disfiguring their face because they want to go fast in front of everybody else. We don't see that. But this kind of hypocrisy, I think, goes on all the time. What's your secret life like? What's your inner personal relationship with the Lord like? Hypocrisy is easy to see in others sometimes and hard to see in ourselves. We can become a fake, not a follower. And it's not usually done on purpose. It's done through neglect. Now listen to me and I'm going to close. It doesn't happen. You don't make a conscious decision to let your inner life dry up. Yeah, I think I'll wash my hands of that. I don't think I need God anymore. I think I'll just go keep going to church and do all the things without God. It doesn't happen that way. It just happens over time with neglect. Listen to what Ecclesiastes chapter 10, verse 18 says this. By much slothfulness, the building decays, and through idleness of the hands, the house droppeth through. You know what you have to do in order to have your secret life dry up? Don't pay attention. Do nothing. Do nothing to grow. I remember years ago, when I first started as youth pastor, I remember preaching this message to our teenagers. I preached, how to destroy a youth group. That was, that was the message. I'm going to tell you how to destroy your youth group. Number one, do nothing. If you do nothing in this youth group, you'll destroy it. If you just come and don't get involved and don't, don't bring your friends and don't get excited, you'll destroy this youth group. You can destroy the youth group by just doing nothing. It's true. And you can destroy all these outward things that you do and have no reward because there's, you've done nothing in the secret place. So what we're talking about is like, what does your life look like? Tomorrow morning at 8 o'clock or tomorrow at noon or tomorrow when you set aside time and it's just you and the Lord. Nobody else knows about it. And you go to a little place, a little room, a chair. I used to call mine the prayer chair. Right? The pra- I go to the prayer chair. And I go to the prayer chair and I close the door. What does your life look like there? Because you can't fake God. He, he's, he's, that, he's that jeweler that opens up that Rolex and says, oh, there's junk inside here. This, this thing's not worth the, the 50 bucks you paid for it. You got ripped off. Oh, yeah, it'll keep time, and it'll look nice, and people may say, wow, a Rolex. It'll, it'll have all the bling and the pizzazz, but there's nothing of substance there. What does your secret life look like? Hypocrisy is the result of neglecting your secret life. So tonight, describe for yourself your secret life. Oh, your seen life may be fine. No, I'm not talking about your seen life, your secret life. Is there life, is there growth in your secret garden? Is there joy? Is, there, is it real? If not, what happens is eventually, without even knowing it, all these things that you do become fake. And though you're not blowing a horn and you're not just, you know, look at me, what am I doing? It's just, it's just as unrewarding because God does know the motivation. He does know your heart. Are you a follower or a fake? Boy, that's really what the Sermon on the Mount is really about. 
he's saying, I'm kind of described to you, if you're going to be a real follower of God and a real follower of me, this is what it's going to look like. It's about the secret place. And so, I challenge you. Spend time in that secret place with this understanding. The Father who seeth in secret will reward you openly. Would you bow your head and close your eyes? Pretty simple message. I can just imagine when Jesus Christ spoke these words. And the, the, the Bible indicates, you know, like at, the, at the end of this mess, of this Sermon on the Mount, he has authority. Like there was jaw-dropping. They were astonished that they could not believe the authority that he had. And so my prayer is that today, as you look at the Word of God, examine your secret life, your motivations, your intentions, in light of God's Word. And maybe nothing will change on the outside. On the outside, everything's going to be good. But the inside, there'll be a dramatic change day by day as you cultivate that secret life with the Lord. Heavenly Father, we're thankful for the opportunity to look at your word. And I pray now that you take these words and apply it to each listener, whether they be here in the auditorium or online or even watching down the road sometime, that your word would not return void. And Father, challenge us in this area of hypocrisy, help us to be a true follower, not a fake. And maybe, maybe work and cultivate our secret life with you. In your precious name we pray. Amen.